0: Good morning, church. Lovely to see so many faces after a two week absence. I know you were mourning my loss. You were wailing and banging and clattering. And when is he back? Please, please stop. <laughs> no, it's lovely to be back. It's been lovely to catch up with some of you during the week. And I hope to see many more of you this week. Well, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you have brought us here together. Father, we pray that you will reveal something about yourself to us this morning, that we may open up your word, that we may delve in and find a picture of your face staring back at us this morning. We come here to worship you, we come here to praise you, and Lord, we have come here to simply be in your presence. I pray, Lord, that you will reveal yourself to us this morning. Amen. Right, well, Charlotte, you're going to come and do our reading this morning. So I will pray for you. Lord, we thank you for this woman of God and Father, I pray that you will give Charlotte your power as she reads from your holy word father i pray lord that the words that she speaks will empower will enlighten and change the hearers lives father amen
1: so matthew 14 jesus walks on the water immediately jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down.
0: Thank you, Charlotte. Well, what have we got going on here? Well, I'll tell you quite a bit. This is probably one of Jesus' most famous miracles. Uh, You don't have to have read the Bible to have heard this story. Um, It's often parodied. Uh, A few years ago, there was some guy called, was he Dynamo or some, what was his name? It was Dynamo, uh, did this across the River Thames. Um, Don't want to do any spoilers, but there was just a platform just below the water. Uh, That's what he did. Mm, Sorry, but he he didn't really walk across the water. Um, No one has ever managed to walk across the water apart from this moment. Um, If you know of anyone that has, they're fibbing, um, or it just didn't happen. So, why did Jesus walk across the water? Well, anyone want to offer a suggestion? Sorry? There wasn't a boat around. Wasn't a boat around? Good one. Like that one? Anyone else got one? The tide was not out. So what happens immediately before this, we have the feeding of the 5,000, which is another huge miracle. Uh, That was a busy day for Christ and the disciples. They were out serving all day and teaching. It was a busy day. So what did Jesus do? Well, he said to the disciples, look, you go and get in the boat and you go on ahead and I'll join you later. I'll dismiss this lot. You go on ahead. So they all clambered into the boat and rowed off and sailed off. Jesus then met with the crowd and sort of convinced them to go. Um, Usually, how I do it. I usually start singing and people immediately leave the building. I don't know how he did it, but he certainly managed to dismiss a lot of people. And then after that, he decided to go off somewhere alone, up a a mountain, to be alone, to, to have some time with God, some quiet time, a time of recharging. Whenever Christ goes away on his own, it's usually to commune with God, to regenerate himself, to be back in God's presence. And as he looked out that evening, he saw the disciples' boat. This is the Sea of Galilee. Okay, So it's a huge lake. It is a massive, massive lake. Uh, they call it the sea because when you stand on one shore, sometimes you can't actually see the other shore because of the mist and stuff, so, and it looks like a vast ocean. So he saw out in the distance this boat struggling against the wind, rising up. You know, the bow is it the bow at the front, isn't it, George? Indeed. it is. The bow rising up the waves, crashing down again, and he knew that some of these guys were not sailors. They would have been a bit. Oh, goodness me, here we go. Some of them were fishermen. Now, if you're ever in a boat and you see the sailors or the fishermen panicking, get worried. Now, what happened was Jesus decided, I best go out and just reassure them. And he just stepped down and straight across the water and approach the boat. Now, if you can imagine a boat full of disciples, some possibly being sick, others trying to comfort the sick, others trying to keep a control of the boat. All of a sudden, they look out and they see this figure walking across the water. And the Sea of Galilee is pretty deep. But they see this figure in the dead of night walking across the water. Immediately they come to probably the same conclusion that many of us would. The Scooby-Doo moment, it's a ghost! Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? Your, your, your immediate thought is, this is a supernatural event, yeah? Because you know that people can't walk across the water, right? Certainly not out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. So they start freaking out. And the text says, uh, if I get to the right page, there we go. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, this little statement is incredibly powerful. This seemingly, like, identification statement, don't worry, it's only me, don't worry, contains so much for us right now. Take courage, don't be afraid. And in the middle... It is I. Now, if I knock on your door, you might look through the little peephole or you might say, who's there? And I say, don't worry, it's Ian. I'm identifying myself. Yeah? And that's what you think this it is I is, isn't it? Don't worry, it's just me, it's Jesus. Hey, how you doing? But it's not as simple as that. Because what they would have understood from this is not it is I, but I am. I am. Don't be afraid. Now, if we go to Exodus, because whenever you're reading the New Testament, if you find something in there, chances are it's in the Old Testament first. So if you go to the Old Testament, you go to Exodus chapter 3. Verse 14, God is talking to Moses. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. I am. That's the name. He's not saying, Ooh, it's me. He's saying, I am God. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, Hey, it's Jesus. Gotcha. He's saying, Take courage. I'm God. Don't be afraid. It's called, in churchy language, a theophany. A theophany. It's a bit where God reveals himself to a person. There are very few actual instances of theophanies in the New Testament. There are loads in the Old Testament. But this moment is the moment that Jesus reveals himself to the disciples as God. And he's not just saying it on dry land, he's saying it by standing on the water. Something that no person can do. The fact that God Himself bends the rules of physics that He made to explain to people who are terrified astounds me that He chose this moment. I know you're afraid. I know you're probably wondering what on earth is going on. I'm God. Now, if you're in trouble, who better than to reveal himself to you than God? Who is going to be reassured in that moment? Now, then Peter turns around to Jesus and says, "If if it really is you, Call me, and I'll I'll come to you. So Jesus says, "Well, come on." Now we often mock Peter. I mock Peter all the time, um, but I absolutely adore Peter. I think he's a wonderful chap. Uh, he's a bit thick in some of the earlier uh, accounts, but he becomes this wonderful man of God. And we often berate uh, Peter because of what Jesus said in this instance. Uh, but Peter showed a remarkable amount of faith and courage. Peter is uh, a fisherman. He's been a fisherman his whole life. He's been on this water uh, for years, probably since a very small child. He knows how dangerous it is. And the Sea of Galilee, although it's a lake, is a dangerous place. There are often storms. The winds there are terrific. It's very high up, this uh, the Sea of Galilee. It's quite high. It's not like a, a low place. is isn't like sea level this is quite high above there are winds that whip across that water that make it a very treacherous place to fish peter knows the dangers of being out in the sea there's no rnli if he goes over the edge that's it that's him done chances are he couldn't swim that's him finished and he just gets out of the boat <laughs> i mean Think about that. You're in a boat and you just get out and not just go, <gasps> you step out <laughs> and you start walking. And imagine that internal conversation he's having. He steps, he's just realized. Flipping out, that guy that we've been hanging around with, Jesus, my best friend, is a, is God. I'm standing in the presence of God, and I'm walking on the water. That's amazing. And then all of a sudden, he goes, "Ah, distraction. The great distraction. Doubt." Now it says that he began to sink. Now I just want to give you a little demonstration. Okay, I want you to call out the minute this begins to sink. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you weren't weren't close enough. Do you want me to do that again? (laughs) It's quite difficult to begin sinking, isn't it? So we can assume from the text that there was a process involved. He didn't just go like a stone. Not you would. If you go out and you try and walk across the uh, splash point, you're going to get wet very quickly. You are instantly going to sink, right? He began to sink. And it happened so slowly that he had time to be grabbed. So we can imagine him walking and all of a sudden this doubt starts creeping into his mind. And all of a sudden, as that doubt starts to grow, his ability to stay on the water diminishes. The doubt rises and he starts to sink. It's like that. So he's gradually, oh, oh, and as he starts to sink, the doubt increases because he's aware of his situation. Oh, flippin' this isn't going well. I'm starting to sink. Oh, no, what am I doing? I knew I shouldn't have done this. Oh! and he calls out and jesus catches him by the hand pulls him back up reinstills that faith and walks him calmly back to the boat and it says they both get they both climb into the boat and as they both climbed into the boat the storm stops and when the storm stops they can relax oh he's here the storm is over they're on the mill pond there's no more waves there's no more threat and they're taking in this amazing scene that they've just witnessed a man two men walking on water now what does this mean for us When you're in trouble on the sea, pray and uh, walk on the water. No, that's not going to work. Don't go in quicksand, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, have swimming lessons. Wear, wear a safety device. So what... What have we got to learn from this? Jesus performs this miracle 2,000 years ago. What's it got to do with us? What has Jesus walking on the water got to do with us? Gives us Gives us faith. Does. Well, a few thousand years before that, in the Psalms, we also find a little snippet. Psalm 77 I'll read this to you, verses 16 to 20. And I want you to listen out to this, there's this a key verse here. So Psalm 77. The waters saw you, God, the waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed, the clouds poured down water, the heavens resounded with thunder, your arrows flashed back and forth, your thunder was heard in the whirlwind, your lightning lit up the world, the earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. As you pick up that little verse. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen. Even in the Psalms. God is saying. I can walk on water. You ever see anyone walking on water. It's me. Now, they would know this scripture. They'd be aware of this scripture. So when Jesus walks on the water and he says, I am God, I'm sure this scripture wouldn't be too far away from them. And again, in Job, we turn to Job. Job 9, verse 8. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Progressive revelation. He is progressively, that means he is slowly starting to reveal aspects of himself and aspects of Christ. So that when Christ did come, we would put two and two together and go, ticks that box, ticks that box ticks that box ticks that box you see scripture is progressive it is progressively showing us who God is and who Christ is it isn't just a collection of stories that are just stapled together in a book for you to read and get inspiration from it is the scriptures are revealing who Christ is And it's in that revelation of who Christ is, that understanding of who he is and what he is and what he has done and will do, that we must take our faith. We must step out of the boat and trust that he is God. Now, distraction. Here's the bit that's for us What is your distraction? Now, I get distracted a lot, not just in a trivial way from things I should be doing. There's a very famous scene in a Simpsons episode where uh, two, I think they're Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, are trying to indoctrinate Homer Simpson. He's there watching, sat him down, they're getting, making him watch this, this movie uh, and trying to convince him that, so that he should come to the Lord. And uh, they watched it and uh, he, they said, oh, you know, what, how did you find the film? And he went, um, oh, it's a bird! <laughs> And he runs off. I get a little bit like that sometimes. When I should be working, I get very easily distracted. But I'm not talking about that level of distraction. I'm talking about the faith distraction. That's the killer. What distracts you from your faith? Is there a pattern of behaviours that you have that distracts you, steers you away and causes you doubt. I have those patterns and I know very well what they are. I know exactly what they are, I know what triggers it, I know what will happen if I open that door and yet I still do it. And I go down this little wandering path of distraction and doubt And then all of a sudden, I'm at this place where I'm going, do you know what, does this this even make sense anymore? Is God, am I deluding myself? Those things that I've seen, those miracles that I've seen, that feeling, that presence of God, was I just dreaming that? Did I just need that and did I invent that because I needed it? And that's one step. And then the next step is, yeah, maybe I did. So if I did that, then flip. I don't think, maybe, maybe God's not actually real. And what's about that suffering thing? I mean, if God was real, why is there all this suffering? Why are things going wrong? And I gradually start to sink. Step by perilous step, I am almost consumed by the waves. I wonder if any of you have a similar experience of that. Mm -hmm. You open yourself up to a pattern of behaviour. Maybe it's depression. Maybe there are things that, you know, there's something physically, mentally wrong that leads you down a path that you don't want to go down. Maybe it's just habits. Maybe you've got habits that are not really that helpful to you gambling sexual addiction alcohol addiction drug addiction there are so many like little addictions that can start creeping in and it leads to doubt everything you sin and it leads to doubt the instant you sin oh shouldn't have done that or oh, no oh, well, I doubt I'll be forgiven for that one. (laughs) I'll probably just carry on, because if I've done that one thing there, then I might as well carry on here. It's very similar. It's slimming world. They always say, you know, if you mess up, say you find yourself sitting in McDonald's car park at 3am stuffing down Big Macs and large fries, the worst thing you can do is to just go well, I've done that now, so I might as well just go for a breakfast. And then when you've had the breakfast, go, well, I've had McDonald's at 3 a.m., I've just had a carvery breakfast, I might as well get a pizza Hut and write the day off. It's very similar to sin. Well, I did that and probably shouldn't have done that, so I might as well just carry on doing this. And every time you get one little step, deeper into the sea of doubt. And there's only one thing that's going to pull you out of the sea of doubt. And that is Jesus, God. Now, normally, it is us that turns to Jesus, yeah? But in this passage, we see Jesus coming to their rescue yeah he was going to them first text doesn't say they were crying out to him they were battling on and thinking they were you know well, don't worry lads we'll get through this Band down the hatches hold on tight we'll get through it they were not aware that they were in so much trouble that christ had to come to them So I wonder how many times we should be praying, Jesus, come to me. Because when you're struggling in the sea of doubt, sometimes the last thing you want to do is to walk towards him. Who's ever had that one? I don't want to see him. I'm ashamed. I can't look him in the face after what I've done. I can't look him in the face and believing maybe what I believe in. I don't know. How am I supposed to approach him? Well, this bit of text shows us that he will come and grab you. He will save you. There will be a lifeline. When Peter started to slip, he just reached out and Christ was already there with his hand out to pull him out. When we're in the depths, when we're sinking, there is a lifeline. Your assurance is in him. Your salvation is in him. He has you in his hand. Nothing you can do once you are in his hand will get him to let you go. If you are saved, if you believe in Christ, you are held by the hand of God. He will pluck you from the sea of doubt. You might have a lifetime of doubt. Many of us do. You'd be surprised the amount of Christians that doubt all the time. Hands up, who's doubted Jesus? I'm putting both my hands up. We do it all the time. And then we have this revelation of him, we, we hear from him, we have prayers answered, we almost feel his presence and we're like, yes, I knew it, I knew I was right, I knew it was right. And two weeks later you're going, oh my goodness me, was that all real? We're humans. Largely we're idiots. I'm encountering myself in that. We forget who he is. Yeah, exactly. What have you done for me lately? (laughs) Well, save me and give me eternal rest with you. Um, We must trust in the I am. It's the only way we will get pulled out of the sea of doubt. And once you're in that, once you've been submerged, there's no way out. But you won't fall beneath the waves. He won't let you. If you believe in Christ, if you have given your life to him, if you've held out your hand and said, help, he won't let you go. He will be with you from now until the end of days. And then after that, you are with him for eternity. What does it say in Hebrews? I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He will always be there with that hand outstretched, ready to catch you should you fall. No matter what you've done, no matter what you think, even in those dark days where you know that it's all just a con, it's all a lie, and you're sure of it. No, I know it. He's still there with that hand out because your doubt is not more powerful than the great I am and if you think it is you have a very very skew with understanding of who God is you cannot match him for power you're not clever enough to beat his intelligence if he says something it is true And that is the solidity. That's the water that we stand on. He makes that water solid. If we understand who he is, and we believe in what he says, water can be walked on. So in your lives right now, wherever you are, if you have doubts, if you have troubles, if you are being tossed about on the sea of despair, the sea of doubt, I want you to, if you want, physically hold out your hand. Spiritually pray. Pray in your head. Even if it costs you. In your head. You know those arguments sometimes you I can't even think about praying to you. Does anyone get that? Even, even in my head, I can't just say, help. Struggle through that. Reach out to him with your mind. He can, he can hear you. Help. Help me. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He can cross an ocean to reach you and he will. Father God, we we thank you that you are I am. You are who you say you are. Father God, I really pray now right now, Father, for those who are in trouble, who are sailing on the sea of despair who are sinking in the sea of doubt. Lord, I speak for myself as well, Lord, that we all have difficulties with our faith. We can be so up one minute and then we are progressively falling down. Lord, I pray that we will see that hand outstretched to us. Lord, that you will speak to us. You will comfort us. You will take us safely back to shore. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's say the grace to each other, shall we? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now, now and evermore. Amen.